On 2NURFM, we're talking travel, Sally Lucas and I, and Sally, we're off to the land where football is being played at the moment. We are, or on that continent at least. We're not going quite to the cities of where it's being played. But Jane, as we had last week, talking to us about her recent travels through South America um, or parts thereof, is going to just continue today in our first segment and give us a little bit more information about Ecuador and some of the areas in the Peru that she went to. So, Jane, over to you. Well, as I think I said last week, Ecuador is surprising for its diversity. It has such a, a lot of different landscapes and, and different things to to do and see. And it's quite interesting that the high interior or the interior of the country is really very high. The Cordillera, the, the mountain range of the Andes, splits into two, and there is high land where Quito, the capital, is, and that is above the height of Kosciuszko. Mm. So once you get up into that mountain area, you are well above Australia's height. So two and a half thousand metres and more, of course, and that's just between the mountain ranges. And Quito, as the capital has a, is an, it's a lovely city. It's got Spanish colonial architecture, lovely cathedrals and churches and squares like, uh, like Spain and uh, lots of artisan shops mm. too. So it's lovely to look at the things that people make and that you can take away with you as well. And there's also lots of security in Ecuador. Okay. They're, they're trying very hard to, uh, Make sure that Ecuador is safe. Safe, yeah, for ensure tourists. safety. Yes, yeah. And so there are lots of different kinds of police yeah. hanging around the streets and just making sure that everything happens. So, Quito. So not to be afraid of that. It's just there to make sure you are safe. I guess that's, that's the whole right. thing. That's yes. right. And they're all very pleasant. And uh, yes, and there are probably some areas, like in any city, where you probably shouldn't go. Um, oh, of course, it's not safe to go. And you look at the times that you go to places. And again, that is, as they say, like any city. And there are people to make it safe. But once you get out of Quito, you get into um, the rest of the world. We talked about the Amazon Basin mm. before, and that's where I'm sure down on the lowlands the um, uh, co cocoa is grown or cacao is grown. Cacao, yes. And the Ecuadorians <clears throat> claim that they have the best chocolate in the world. They make the mm. best chocolate in the world, and I don't know that I'd prove them wrong. So not the Belgians or anyone in Europe. It's, it's the Ecuadorians. <laughs> and you were saying that they actually export it into Europe, including, do they? Oh, or? chocolate they export, yeah. yes. But it's the roses that they the grow roses. that's so... Very interesting. You don't think of that, do you? You don't think of roses and Ecuador don't go hand in hand. But they supply yeah. the Vatican with roses. Wonderful. They export they to They obviously Europe. can afford them. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> they make very good coffee as well. They pride yes, themselves yes. on their coffee too. And uh, getting out, um, Cotopaxi is one of the – it's the second highest volcano in Ecuador, but it's very easy to get to, not too far outside Quito. In fact, it's – Almost 5,900 metres, and the mind just boggles at those heights. It does, doesn't it? And is it inactive or active? Oh, I don't know. I think it's mm. probably dormant, dormant is the word we mm. use, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say it could possibly go, but I don't think it has erupted for, for a, a long fair time. while now. Mm -hmm. Well, a fair while, we'll say, not a long time. No, we'll, but it's yes. the, the typical um, volcano shape with snow on the top. And mm. um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see too much of that when we were there because the cloud was down, it was sleeting. But we did get up to the highest part that an, a vehicle can go, which is about 4,500 metres, and uh, would have done some walking up there, which certainly takes a bit of breath. I was going to say that would make you a little bit breathless, I would imagine. Just a little. Mm -hmm. But it was a lovely, lovely countryside and there's uh, 
proper huts, mountain huts, where you can go and have a lovely meal. And there are people there who've been mountain climbing and they come in and they can stay there too. So very interesting place to visit and some lovely gorges coming down mm, off, the, beautiful. off the volcano. And uh, that's not the only one. Um, the Switchback Railway is a little bit further along, and uh, it's, it goes over the devil's nose. When they wanted to put the railway through from the coast to the capital, um, they came across this large mountain difference as they came off the first Andes range. And so they built a railway that goes along and then stops and goes backwards down another part and then goes forwards again. Interesting. It's not fast. <coughs> no. But it's a lovely thing to do as a tourist. Yeah, it would be fantastic. I can imagine the scenery would be wonderful. And down the bottom you have lots of uh, locals who dance with you and make music and there's uh, time to have morning tea or afternoon tea, whichever you're in. It's really, it's, it's good fun. Yes. <laughs> and they're, they're doing sure. things well. And uh, we might just get to the, the end of Ecuador today. Yes. Cuenca is another town that's in the south of Ecuador. And that also has lovely Spanish colonial architect, architecture and lots of artisans, lots mm. of silverware, lots of leatherwork and, of course, the beautiful um, woolen things, the, yes. the alpacas and things that get made there. And just outside Cuenca... The Cajas National Park mm. is beautiful, also quite high, goes up to 4,000-odd metres, mm. but a lovely place to walk, some good tracks and some beautiful flowers, lovely mm. flowers. Wonderful. And I think we're going to have to stop at the end of Ecuador. We'll have to continue. This is an ongoing saga. <laughs> We are talking travel, Sally Lucas and I, and, well, there's so much to see in our own country. There is, Jane, isn't it? I mean, we do have a diverse country, as does lots of other continents, no doubt, but ours is also diverse, even though we are mainly, I suppose, desert with a coastal fringe. But having said that, if you're going north at the moment, which is a great time to go if you want to go in the dry season and when it's not too hot, um, the main thing with the territory is just never get there when the build-up's happening and just about... It kills you. Really? Oh, I've been there in November. I thought I was actually going to die. I've never known heat like it. But And it's very humid, isn't it's it? It's extremely humid. It's about 100% humidity. And the thing is, in summer, even though it still gets hot, they get the rain. So it gives them that relief at night. So you get the storms coming through. So summer's not as bad as actually the build-up. That October into November, early December is a killer. So now is great. You're going to have clear blue skies. You know, the colours are amazing. I mean, it's really a great unspoilt frontier. And, of course, it's home to some of our most iconic destinations in the top end, as we all know, with, of course, Kakadu National Park and Arnhem Land, which is fantastic, the Coburg Peninsula, down, of course, to um, Alice Springs and Ayers Rock or Uluru and Katajuta, which they now call the original Olgas, as they were called, the Katajuta, where you can do these wonderful dining under the stars. So everything is, is um, dual World Heritage listed in lots of things within the Northern Territories, what you've got to remember. And they're listed for both their cultural significance and natural landscapes. And so even though, you know, it is visually gorgeous when you see this red earth and blue sky and then a ghost gum or, you know, the, the colours are just stunning. You know why Namat Jira had to paint them, you know, just, just amazing. Um, but also you're affected by the inherent spirituality that, that stems from over 40,000 years of a rich Indigenous culture. So you're experiencing that as well. And 
there are some wonderful tours you can do in that area. I mean, I know a lot of people, the grey nomads and people that have got extended time can, you know, hook up their caravan or whatever, their motorhome and go driving, but not everyone has got the time to do that. But AAT Kings have put together a remarkable brochure covering all aspects almost of the Northern Territory to suit everybody's travel budget and everybody's length of time they've got for a vacation. So you can do anything from a little short break of two days, three days, four days, five days, up to extended touring. And they have different styles of touring you can do as well. So they have what they call Aussie adventures, and these are more affordable, staying in comfortable accommodation, but not luxurious accommodation. But you're getting more off the beaten track. So if you're a person that really wants to see something a little bit different, and not just all the usual, then you might want to do one of the Aussie adventure holidays. Then they have what they call inspiring journeys, which are quite immersive and they're more boutique small group journeys. You've got your guided holidays, which are your fully escorted, guided, longer style touring holidays as well. Now, as I said, they go right through this area, even into that wonderful Kimberley area where you can do some fantastic touring through that range there, well, with the bungle bungles, of course, which are just, well, you know, Jane, you've seen them, haven't you? You've been the bungles. They're astounding. And as we've mentioned before, um, when you're doing any of these areas, because they're so huge, whether it is Kakadu or the Bungles or wherever you're doing, try and do an aerial tour as well because you don't get the immensity from the land. You're only seeing what your eye can see, which doesn't see the whole gamut. But if you're above it looking down, then, of course, you get this wonderful landscape that just pans out around you, you know, 360, 180 degrees, whatever way you're looking at it, I suppose, whether it's helicopter or fixed wing. Um, but, you know, certainly worth doing. Um, the only thing, of course, in the dry season, you're not going to have in the areas where there are waterfalls or rivers, you're not going to have the waterfalls flowing as much. Um, it's it's sort of one of those things that has to have rain to have waterfalls, you know what I mean? So, But then again, it's also they clear all the crocs out and so on, so there's lots of swimming holes at that time, this time of the year that are quite safe to swim in. You just don't go in any of the rivers, <laughs> please. And there are signs everywhere that tell you this, so, you know, you don't even stand near it like Kale's Crossing. I was watching the other day, some silly girl was running late for work I was on the news and someone filmed it. She's driving across Kale's Crossing, following a semi-trailer who made a huge wake, and then there was the water was flowing very fast. You just see it, everyone's going, oh, no, oh, no, and then she's got a four-wheel drive, and it's just drifting, 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 and it got wedged. There's a nice little hungry croc swimming up towards the car. No one could get her out because they didn't, couldn't reach her without putting themselves in danger. And she was just lucky a sightseeing boat had backpedalled to show some tourists a sea eagle and saw her. And what did she do first? Instead of getting herself out of the car, she handed out her phone and a laptop while the croc's still coming. Get the important things right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I don't that, want to turn people off it, but that's just someone that, being, being that, silly. That would be one of the crossings where the tidal flow comes yes. over and yes. such a big tidal flow that it, it goes, is. It pours over one way and then next well, tide it pours back. If anyone saw that footage the other night, you, you can't understand why she even attempted to do the crossing but you don't do silly things like that if you're driving please please do not do that um, but if you're going on a tour of course they're going to look after you take care of you and you're going to get lots of wonderful advice and wonderful guiding as we said before learn a lot about dream time learn a lot about our indigenous people so yes if you have a chance get up to the top end in the center a fabulous part of our country we are together 
to talk travel with Sally Lucas. And Sally, DFAT, the Government Department for Foreign Affairs and yes. Trade, has some warnings out. They have, and I mean, they go into overdrive sometimes, I know, but the eight advisories came out within 90 minutes on Monday of this week, and some of them are quite severe. And I mean, it goes without saying Iraq was top of the list with virtually, of course, do not travel. Um, Tanzania has got a high degree of caution as well. Um, they're saying only use registered taxis as tourists have been, tourists have been kidnapped and forced to withdraw money from um, ATMs, etc. Um, Jordan has got a high degree of caution again there because apparently on the Jordan-Iraq border area um, there were people that were chased by um, assailants known to be part of a criminal gang. Um, Nigeria, reconsider your need to travel. Um, I think that goes without saying. Ethiopia, the same. Um, Djibouti, Uganda, high degree of caution, they're saying there, uh, particularly for the US, more the US embassy has warned that there's attackers maybe pre- um, preparing to strike places there. And Kenya, again, of course, this is important because we've recently had, well, in May, explosions that killed, um, in a market, killed at least 10 people and injured others. And of course, there was one in, earlier in May, which was a bus terminal in, in Mombasa and so on. So go on that website, please. And I mean, obviously, you have to make your own decisions but about whether you travel or not. But if you do so, make sure you just really check on and just think, is this, this really necessary for me to go at this time? You know, it's... And is that smarttraveller.gov.au? Yes, and you can register on that as well so that if anything does happen or occur in any of these countries, an uprising or something, you can be traced because sometimes it's difficult. Communication becomes clogged. So if, if they know where you are, they can at least find you and advise your family members that you're safe and sound. And we'll be talking travel again next week after the 1 o'clock news on Friday. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we might even get to Peru.